see if that works. Got a little sound now. Sounds always a good thing. Let's see myself go. Watching the past. That's how it works. When you're streaming, man. Some days. I did move things around a little bit, change things around a little bit. I got monitors moved. Actually, my, my monitors are the same, but where I'm looking at stuff is different. Because I was going to look, I was looking at the wrong monitor to point to the graphic that's going to be up there. Oh, good morning, Eric. Good to see you. Getting used to the new setup. Take me a minute. Unplugged a microphone this morning. <laughs> Didn't have sound. Can you can you feel that? Oh man. Hope it sounds okay. Hope it sounds okay. I don't want it to be too loud or too quiet or too anything really. We got uh, our Illy coffee. Still warm, wrapped up in Minnesota today. A Minnesota cup. So, if you're from the great state, state, the great state of Minnesota, consider yourself being represented this morning in this fine cup. Rainy and cloudy and mucky and cool. That is the temperature outside, but you notice I got my Hawaiian shirt on. I actually, if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see that, but I do dress this this week. I'll be in Hawaiian shirts all week long. A little bit of weirdness going on there. Green screen action, I'm thinking. Um, Hawaiian shirts, because it's trivia week. Thursday will be trivia night, and we will be uh, challenging you to come out and see if you got the chops. Join us on the YouTube channel, YouTube, front slash cyber dash recon. Uh, you'll need to get the Socrative uh, webpage or the Socrative app, whichever you want to go, to play the trivia. That's how you answer the questions. We don't answer them online. You answer them in the chat or in the in the app, not in the chat. Not in the chat, but in the app. That's where we want you to answer the questions. Uh, it's a great time. 40 questions, four rounds of 10. Um, that's, that's, the, that's the rundown of how it, how it goes. I have to bring this over just a touch and this over a touch because they're way over yonder. Oh, I remember why I put them over there. I remember now why I put them over there. Oh. So Eric saying sounds good. Got my my lovely bride took care of ironing my iron in my shirt. I just didn't get around to it. Saying morning all to Dia saying good morning all. So that's what we got going on. This week is the trivia challenge. Can you come out? Can you? Do you have the chops to win at trivia? I challenge you. I'm putting the I'm throwing the throwing the gauntlet down. Come out Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or Eastern Daylight Time. I guess what we're on. Eastern Time. Get, get there a little early so you can get make sure Socrative is up and running. Make sure you're on the YouTube. So you're on the YouTube because that's where you're going to see the video. That's where you can see the live stream. But you're going to answer on the Socrative app. You don't need any personal information un unless you download the app. Um, but you can play within a web browser. 
So you don't even have to give any information at all if you're going to play within the web browser. If you do want to use the app, I know a lot of people like the app. Uh, so Socrative, Socrative is behind all that. I don't know what information they get from you. I don't know what they do with it. you got to check that out on your own. But you don't need the app to play. I think it's a little easier to play on the app. But you can play just in a web browser. So you don't need to give any information up. So that's what's going on there. Um, in week two of the RMF course, yeah, discount period's over. Um, the first session was going to be tonight, but we had somebody just join last night. We're going to push the live session back one one day. We're going to do it on Tuesday night instead of Monday night. because We had a, a new subscriber, a new, a new person join, join the class just yesterday. We're going to give them time to catch up. And the theory is, you know, we release a set of modules at a time. The, only the first time through, release these modules in chunks, and then we have live sessions to talk about them. The class will be available on demand after this, now if you want. And you can still join now if you want and get in on the live sessions. Now, once once we're done with the live sessions, once we're done with this first round, this first cohort, this first run through, we won't have live sessions. That'll just be an on-demand class. You'll take it whenever you want. But right now, you can take the, the first week and the second week are all out there. They're ready to go. We're going to be launching modules until November, which doesn't seem that far away. There's over, it's like over 72 different lessons within the course, covering everything from getting into risk management, the basics of risk management, what is CAP, what is risk management, what is NIST, all the basics all the way through all of the tasks and steps in the new version of the RMF, RMF 2.0, with the prepare step between prepare, we split it out. We said there, there needs to be a chunk on prepare by the organization and prepare by the system owner because they're different tasks, they're different audiences. So we split that in half. Uh, NIST has this one big prepare step. We kind of, we split it into two different modules, prepare as an organization and prepare as a system owner. And then we go through the, the normal steps, the normal six steps of the RMF with the new tasks included in those steps and alignment with NIST Special Publication 853, Revision 5, which is the new control catalog. So it's the new version of the RMF. It's the new ca control catalog. In, my, opi in my, my opinion, as far as I know, no one else is doing it. No one else is really even teaching RMF 2. Um, everybody, if I look at people teaching, they're teaching RMF 1 still. Come on, man. It's time to move on. Time to get with the times. Uh, so that's what's going on in the RMF class. Still rolling. Trivia night. Trivia night is right around the corner. Thursday. Thursday it'll be here. Thursday it'll be here. Trivia night. T lasts about, I say it lasts about an hour, an hour and a half. D says it lasts about two hours. There's 20 questions. We do two, t two rounds of 10. Then we take an intermission. And then we do two more rounds of 10. We, we award the prizes. There's going to be along the lines. Obviously somebody gets the can of Illy coffee, because we have to do that. That's one thing we like to do. Again, not sponsored by Illy. Just like the coffee. We'll give that away. Let you like the coffee. And then we'll figure out what the prize is. We got some new swag came in um, about two weeks ago. Awesome. Some awesome cups. Um, different colors. So we'll put that out there. See who, who can win trivia night. Who's going to be the trivia champion? Maybe Eric. Eric, you coming? You come, Eric, are you coming out trivia night? You want to see you out there. 
It's got a pretty significant lag on the interwebs, interwebs today. Uh, it's probably weather and all kinds of stuff. So it says the uh, the app says excellent connection, but I don't know. I don't know if I believe that. Um, got a t got a lot going on for Monday. You know, Mondays we usually don't have so so much going on, but Tyler Technologies they got hit by a ransomware a little while ago. Um, they're paying they're paying they're paying the bill. Paying the bill to get their encryption key. They're just and that's that's the that's the true story of this ransomware man. Eric's gonna be there. Good. I want to see you there, Eric. Um, that's the true, honest to goodness story about this ransomware. Uh, right now, if you get hit with ransomware, I don't know what you're gonna do. You just you can recover from backups. That's probably cool, but they they have your data now, so. That makes it harder. That makes it much, much harder because they can release your data. So Tyler was pushed up against the wall because they provide a lot of a lot of support to a ton of schools and other places. So Tyler's, uh, we're talking about them. Five Eyes. Um, if you've been around the intelligence community, you know about Five Eyes. We'll talk about Five Eyes just a touch. Um, Five Eyes, India, Japan, they're all saying, we got to do something about encryption. Um, they're trying to put backdoors into encryption again. We've seen this time and time again. Government organizations and, and other people trying to take it take uh, an opportunity put to put backdoors into encryption technologies. Uh, we'll talk about that. Oh, it's always always dangerous when you go down that road. Um, Apple's T2 chip has been broken. They, they, they're using the normal term jailbreak they jailbroke the jailbreak of the the security chip and uh apple saying there's just no way to it's just broken it's broken let you know what you need to know about the t2 break um home affairs in australia has looked at tiktok um initially they say it's not too bad but some independent researchers have looked at the type of assessment um these folks did and determined that it's not um it's not extensive enough they didn't do a very good review of tiktok tiktok's gonna be one of those things that's always always in the news until they untangle it the problem is it's chinese made and you know the deals between chinese and the west are going to be issues for for some time now i don't i don't see them going anywhere anytime soon um and then Cybercom, 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 Cyber Command, U.S. Cyber Command. Um, when it looks like it went on the offense. Normally, U.S. Cyber Command is is a lot of times they're playing defense, keeping the bad guy out. And it looks like this time they've taken the fight to the bad guy, um, and and messed around with Trickbot. Looks like they've they've done some offensive moves against Trickbot. This is all we're, we'll talk about that in the story, in the story. And then I don't know is it is it Columbus Day today? Is it Indig Indigenous People Day today? Is it both days today? Got a link to both. In case you wanna, you pick you pick and choose. You tell me, you tell me what day it is. So let's run the intro and. Uh, We'll be back with news.
man, didn't want to let go. The button didn't want to let go. So where are we at? Where are we at? We're at it. We're after talking about Tyler Technologies. Tyler Technologies. This is an article by uh, Security Affairs. Tyler Technologies finally decided to pay ransom to obtain decryption keys to recover files uh, encrypted in a recent random ransomware attack. Here's what you need to know. You may not have heard of these guys. Tyler Technologies Incorporated is the largest provider of software to the United States public sector. At the end of September, the company disclosed a ransomware attack and its customers reported finding suspicious logons and previously unseen remote access tools on their network. Oh, that's bad stuff, man. Bad stuff. like that being so big ransomware attack looks like it took place on september 23rd as the threat actors breached the network of the company and deployed malware tyler of course notified law enforcement and hired forensics firms to in investigate the incident and determine the extent of the damage media labs attack the company representative declared that the incident only impacted internal network and phone systems some reports circulating online suspected the company was infected with the Ransom X ransomware. This is, uh, we talked about these guys. They are a human operated ransomware. That means that someone's behind the keyboard. It's not a worm that's just doing its own thing. Uh, it makes it of course more, much more dangerous once they're inside because then it's a human that's, that's operating and it's not a script. It's not, you know, so it, it's not following a predetermined script it's actually a person that's driving this thing, pulling data off, um, determining what it's gonna what it's gonna do next. So that's that's much more dangerous type of ransomware. Um, this same type of ransomware hit the, the uh, Texas Department of Transportation. Um, bad stuff. Um, the bleeping computer didn't was one talking about this. They didn't uh, didn't get the amount of money. There was an unspecified amount receive the decryption keys to recover the file yeah uh, to prove the decryptor was valid bleeping computer was able to decrypt files uploaded to virus total at the time of the ransomware attack experts pointed out that many school districts court systems local and state governments in the United States use Tyler technology software this means a disclosure of stolen data during the ransomware attacks could have serious consequences. For this reason, the company decided to pay the ransom. Man, this where you get you get pushed up against the wall with these guys. The these ransom these these ransomware actors these bad bad actors. Um, they're gonna come at you. They're gonna come at you with this two pronged attack now, encrypting your data and stealing it. Um, For this reason, that's the reason they, they were just, these guys decided that they are too entrenched in government, school districts, state and local governments, federal governments. Um, they really didn't have a choice. And again, the decryption of most of these ransomware, uh, ransom attacks, ransomware attacks, the decryption keys used are sufficiently strong that they really can't be broken. 
uh, only the the oldest and, and the most poorly constructed ransomware attacks um, have the ability to be decrypted without paying the ransom. They're just using strong keys. They're using strong encryption keys to encrypt the data. So they're, they're using something good, encryption, to do something bad, uh, keep you essentially a denial of service attack from your own data. So I don't think, I don't know, what do you guys think? You let me know, let me know in the comment section, let me know in the show notes below. Did Tyler, Tyler Tech here, did they have any option but to pay the ransomware once they were infected, right? There's, there's all that stuff. And we talk about that, the RMF and the cybersecurity framework, they all push controls to stop the attack as far as you can to the left. That way the attacker never gets in to start with. But it's increasingly hard to keep these guys out, especially big networks with a lot of people because they go after three things. We know they go after three things. Unsecure RDP connections on the internet or untrusted networks. Unpatched applications and hardware, which is including VPN connections. Um, and, the, and the end user, right? Mike's asking a good question. When was this announced? Uh, this story uh, from uh, uh, Security Affairs was yesterday, October 11. Um, it doesn't cite exactly when they got the information. Um, so at some 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 point before yesterday, um, but it was announced. It was announced by Bleeping Computer and Security Affairs yesterday. Um, so if you know more about it, Mike, I'd love to hear what you got to say. Um, but yeah, the article's from from the eleventh, the eleventh. Um, and then you know if you're if you're hanging out here, normally the news we try to get here, normally we we zero in on the the stories that broke today. So we normally have stories that broke on the twelfth, um, but that news cycle obviously cycles back a little bit about a day or so. So sometimes we get news from the 11th or the 12th. We don't hardly ever get news from the day after. Like today, we wouldn't get news from the 13th. Keep trying to get this, the uh, lottery numbers from the next day, but never works for me. Can't ever find the lottery numbers for tomorrow. So good question, Mike. Great, great, great question. Um, as far as I know, some some point before yesterday. So, so this and other other reasons for this and other reasons um the five eyes the five eyes and japan and india got together and they're they're saying this encryption and they're talking about end-to-end -end encryption the general point of what they're trying to do is end-to-end -end encryption so e2ee -E. so end-to-end encryption um, being used by criminal gangs folks that are that law enforcement is trying to track are using end-to-end -end encryption again using something good for something bad um, to hide what they're doing so uh, the members of the intelligence sharing agency five eyes uh, along with government representatives from Japan and India, published a statement over the weekend calling 
for tech companies to come up with a solution for law enforcement to access end-to-end -end encrypted communications. Um, the statement is uh, the statement is an alliance the alliance's latest effort to get tech companies to agree to agree to encryption backdoors. Um, so as the gra graphic probably leads you to believe, the Five Eyes Alliance is composed of the United States, United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. Um, they do a lot of uh, work within the intelligence community called Five Eyes. You'll hear that every once in a while. Um, and they've asked before. They've asked in 2018 and 2019. There's it's just a double-edged sword here. And we've we've this has been around. The the FBI has asked for encryption keys. The NSA has asked for encryption keys. They've asked uh, law enforcement. The FBI has has gone to Apple saying, build some way to decrypt your your information into the application, into the platform, and it's always been pushed back on. So it's folks like the Electronic Freedom uh, Front Foundation (EFF). Um, push back on this stuff all the time and there's some it's definitely I, it's easy to see why they would push for this why it would be something that would be useful for law enforcement when they're when they're using it to go after the bad guy the problem is how do you define the bad guy and and how do you make sure that it's not abused um it's definitely, definitely a double-edged sword. And as a security or a risk or a privacy person, um, information working information security. It's, it, this is a, this is a, this is a challenging one. You can see, you can definitely see the good side of it. You know, things like you know pedophile gangs and, and criminal gangs that are these the ransomware actors that are, are out there and they're using E2E EE encryptions and end encryption to communicate back and forth. And you can't, you know, the law enforcement can't see what's going on. Definitely that 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 would be beneficial to law enforcement. But at what cost does it come is the question. So if properly implemented, E2EE lets uh, users have secure conversations, chat, audio, or video, without sharing the encryption key with tech companies. Representative from seven governments argued that this end-to-end -end encryption that's currently supported by today's major tech platforms prohibits law enforcement from investigating crime rings, but also the tech platforms themse uh, themselves from enforcing their own terms of service. Um, five, these guys say the particular implementations of encryption technology are currently posing challenges to law enforcement investigations as tech platforms themselves can't access some communications and provide the data needed to investigators. At some point, you don't want the platform that you're using to be able to have access to your your secured encryption. So not only do they, you know, not only are these guys, the Five Eyes, India and Japan, looking to provide the encryption key for law enforcement, but they want the platform owner to have access to the encryption key in case law enforcement comes to them. So now it's even a wider net that has the ability to turn your encryption off. This in turn allows a safe haven for criminal activities. It puts the safety of highly vulnerable mem members of our society, like sexually exploited children, in danger. Officials argued, obviously going for the, uh, you know, the most, uh, the the topic that would make most people want to allow this. Uh, we call on technology companies to work with governments to take following steps 
focused on reasonable, uh, technologically feasible solutions, that they said in a press release. Embed the safety of public, the public and the system designs, thereby enabling companies to act against illegal content and activity effectively with no reduction in safety and facilitating the investigations and prosecution of events uh, and safeguarding the vulnerable. Enable law enforcement access to content in a readable, usable format where an authorization, where authorization, sorry, uh, is legally issued, is necessary and proportionate, and is subject to strong safeguards and oversight. Engage in consultation with governments and other stakeholders to facilitate legal access in a way that subjective and generally influences design decisions. So essentially they want to build into the platform the ability to decrypt 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 <laughs> coffee on a Monday. I want to build into this the platforms, all platforms, the ability to decrypt end-to-end -end encryption by the platform owner, whoever that may be. And then should law enforcement come to that platform owner um, with, uh, they say, essentially, they're saying uh, access to re where an uh, authorization is legally issued. So, a legally issued authorization. So, you know, it's, it's a bunch of different countries. They just can't say warrant because warrant is not the same in every country. So, essentially, here in the United States, they have to have some type of search warrant. They're going to come to the provider. The provider would uh, then unlock the encryption channel and allow it to be accessed by law enforcement. Well, now you've got a couple things. you got the provider that has the ability to decrypt your communication um, kind of at will. And then law enforcement, if they get the search warrant or whatever, the appropriate document in whatever country they're coming from, they'll be able to do it a couple places where it definitely could be abused. Um, it definitely. This is what pushes these back all the time. Seven governments called for the encryption backdoors, backdoors not only encrypted uh, in encrypted instant messaging applications. So not the, 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 the point of it is they want encryption backdoors not only in IM applications or instant messaging applications, but also for device encryption, custom encrypted applications, and encryption across integrated platforms. That's a lot more than just the, the initial ask. On December uh, 2018, Australia was the first democratic country to, an to introduce an encryption-busting law. Similar places have taken place in the U.S. and Europe, but were less successful primarily due to opposition from either tech companies or nonprofits or the general public. I think when nonprofits are talking about the Electronic Freedom Frontier Foundation, I need to figure out what that, that second F is. What do you think? What do you think about allowing a backdoor into, I'm going to say encryption, because they're talking about end-to-end -end encryption is the general point of the story, but they're talking about device encryption, custom encrypted applications, and an application across integrated platforms they want to have the keys to. And we've seen this before. Um, what are your thoughts on government? The government being able to get into your encrypted communications. 
or your service provider getting into your communication stream that you think is safe and secure. A um, bunch of places that this could be abused. Um, and once you put it there, can the bad guy get it? Can the, can the malicious actor get to the ability to decrypt your communication stream? I don't know. It's torn. It's, it's, it's one of those things that you have to think about. It's, it's good for law enforcement. You know, if you're thinking about breaking up a pedophile ring, that's probably a good thing. But at what cost does it come to the general public to to allow decryption of these different types of encryption? And remember, it's it's this end-to-end -end encryption, device encryption, custom encrypted applications, and encrypted across integrated platforms. A lot more than just the uh, encryption in motion. Kind of. Kind of, kind of crazy. Device encryption, I can see, you know, I'm surprised they didn't push on that for, you know, ransomware. But I guess some of the ransomware uh, folks are using their own uh, encryption. And it'd be kind of hard to make the bad guy comply with this, right? I think so. I think so. Um, Apple is in the news. Apple's in the news. This story's from Aris, Aris Technica. Calling it crack in the facade. Apple T2 security chip has an unfixable flaw. So, recent release tools letting anyone exploit the, uh, the an unusual Mac vulnerability to bypass Apple's trusted T2 security chip and gain system access. The flaw is one researchers have been using for more than a year to jailbreak older models of iPhones. But the fact that the T2 chip is vulnerable in the same way across a new host of potential threats um, worst of all, while Apple may be uh, able to slow down potential hackers, the flaw is ultimately unfixable, and every Mac that has a T2 chip inside is vulnerable. Uh, in general, the jailbreak community hasn't paid too much attention to the OS X, uh, Mac OS, um, but it has looked, paid a lot of attention to the iOS, mobile phones and tablets and stuff, because um, they don't have the same restriction and walled walled gardens that are built into Apple's mobile ecosystem. Um, big point of this is, but the T2 chip launched in 2017 created some limitations and mysteries. Apple added the chip as a trusted mechanism for securing high-value features like encrypted data storage, touch ID, uh, activation lock, which works with the Apple's Find My, uh, Find My Device services. But the T2 also contains a vulnerability known as uh, Check M8 um, that jailbreakers have already been exploited in the Apple's A5 through A11, which is the 2011 through 2017 mobile chipsets. And now Check RA1N, the same group that developed the tool for the iOS, has released support for the T2 bypass. Article goes on to say, on Macs, the jailbreak allows researchers to probe the T2 chip and explore its security features. It can even run. <laughs> I like this. There's a group of folks that do this all the time. Um, they've exploited not the Mac itself, but they've exploited this T2 chip to put Linux on it and play Doom on the Mac uh, MacBook Pro's touch bar. Uh, if you got a MacBook, if you know the, the newer MacBook Pro's, they have a little touch bar where the, the function keys used to be those F1 through F9 keys. Um, now they're, they're little logos that change depending on what app you're using. Um, one of these guys 
uh, installed Linux and then installed Doom, and you could play Doom on that that touch touch bar. <laughs> ah, sounds like the guys over at Hack Five they do that all the time. Uh, the jailbreak could also be weaponized by malicious hackers uh, to disable the Mac OS security features like system integrity protection and secure boot, and also install malware. Combined with another T2 vulnerability that was publicly disclosed in July by the Chinese Security and Research Jailbreaking Group Pangu team, the jailbreak could also possibly be used to obtain file vault encryption keys to decrypt the data. The vulnerability is unpatchable because the flaws in the low-level, unchanging code for the hardware. Um, in a quote from Will Straffage, a longtime OS researcher, and creator of the Guardian Guardian Firewall for the uh, app for the iOS. Uh, the T2 is meant to be this little secure black box in Macs, the computer inside your computer, handling things like lost mode enforcement, integrity checking, and other privileged duties. So the significance is that this chip was supposed to be harder to compromise, but now that's done. So here's the limitations on this thing. It's not not all doom and gloom, right? First, the attacker's got to have physical access to the device and bring uh, and run the tool over USB. It can't be remotely ac accessed over the, the network, so you can't do that. And it's not persistent. So when you reboot the computer, this goes away, even though it's not in the chipset itself. The T2 chipset doesn't reboot every time the device does. Um, and if you've been compromised, or if you jailbroke, jailbroke your device using this, and you want to get it back, um, you have to fully restore the T2 chip to the Apple defaults. So it doesn't give the access, the attacker instant access to the, the encrypted data, but it could allow hackers to install key loggers or other malware that could uh, grab decryption keys and make it easier to brute force them. Um, so yeah. There's plenty of other vulnerabilities, including remote ones, that undoubtedly have more impact on security. That was tweeted on Tuesday. So yeah, this is a this is if a bad guy or a bad girl gets access to your computer and then is able to install this on a USB, um, and you don't ever reboot your system, then it could be a bad thing. So there's plenty of there's plenty of limitations on this one. So when you're doing the risk assessment of this thing. Think about that. It's, it's, it's not remotely ex executable. Somebody would physically have to get the device, plug the USB in, and, and install it. It's, if you've ever jailbroke anything, Apple, in your life, you'll know that it's not as easy as it sounds. Um, but it is a, a risk you need to think about. If you have Apple devices in your ecosystem and you're relying on this T2 chipset right, to provide prote protections, do know that this bug is out there. Put it in your risk matrix and think about it okay uh, there are limitations you've got some ways you can protect against this thing right um, physical physical security is the biggest one if if the bad guy can't get the laptop if they can't get the device to start with they can't break jailbreak it don't let your end users jailbreak their devices be on the lookout for devices that are jailbroken a lot of uh, management platforms will look for devices that have had the jailbreak uh, executed on them. So that's what you need to do. You need to put this in your risk filter, risk folks that are out there. Um, 
look at this and determine what's the risk of this thing. What's the risk? So that's your Apple story for the day. TikTok, of course, is in the news because they're TikTok and uh, they're Chinese. So we have to keep an eye on those guys. Um, so these are folks in Australia. Home affairs, TikTok security review found data security protections inadequate. Um, so the popular video app TikTok, TikTok is used to create, uh, uh, you know, videos and short little instructional or funny things that, you know, essentially eat your time up. Um, a lot of people love the app, uh, and it's 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 kind of like uh, Vine was a couple years ago. So TikTok's a lap eats up eats people's time up. That's probably the worst thing about this thing. It is eat your time up. But the popular video app TikTok is at the center of a national security showdown between the United States and China. While the Trump administration has pushed for the platform to be banned, citing concerns that it could share data with Chinese authorities, the federal government has not yet followed America's lead. And there's the Australian story. Uh, early in August, the Prime Minister Scott Morrison said the government had taken a good look, it's in, in quotes, at TikTok and found no evidence of local data misuse. However, the scale and detail of Australia's investigation of TikTok remains unclear. Partly redacted documents obtained by ABC under the Freedom of Information laws show the Department of Home Affairs completed a security assessment in January and recommended the app be, be banned or restricted on department devices, government, government devices. The risk assessment of TikTok found controls on, uh, on its use within home affairs to be broadly inadequate. Four risk events assessed by the department's cyber risk services branch included nation state gaining access to data and personal information, an event that was considered probable with major consequences. There's also a risk that, that may be assumed to represent uh, the, agents, the agency through association or content. So the, there's also a risk. Um, users may be assumed to represent the agency through association or content. So people masquerading like they're, they're from the government. Um, but they go on to say the scenario would seem to apply to all social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, it could happen everywhere. Uh, report rec recommended the action was to restrict the use of TikTok on corporate devices by the end of February. So that's what the, 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 the stance was of the Australian government. But Justin Warren, founder of uh, Pivot9, said the risk, risk assessment appeared to be cursory and lacked significant explanation on the basis of the department's decision-making process. Uh, the document calls for short form, calls a short form risk assessment. For a department, that is a critical part of Australia's cybersecurity mechanism. I expected more from them, he said. This does not inspire confidence. He also goes on to say, it, it also appears that the home affairs investigation only looked into the data security side of the equation without looking at other important national security concerns. Um, the app could, could be used to shape information flows on the benefit of the Chinese government. There's nothing at this point to point to point that would, would suggest that security interests have been compromised 
or Australian citizens have been compromised because of what's happening with the application. But people should know the line that connects right back to China, and they should exercise their own judgment about whether they should participate in these things or not. We did have, TikTok is saying, we did have discussions with relevant ministries, offices who were in charge of those departments. Not, uh, we're not asked to engage directly with agencies. Um, oh, this is the, the, the uh, this is this cat. Um, what's his name? Yeah, researcher, whatever his name was. This is TikTok's statement. TikTok does not share information with, information of our users with, in Australia with any foreign governments, including the Chinese government, and would not do so if asked. Um, that's a hard one for me to believe. Uh, it goes back to a question we had quite a while ago. Is, is TikTok worse than Facebook as far as the data they collect? As far as the data they collect, it's probably not. It's what the use of the data is and the fact that um, TikTok's been caught breaking the rules of what they said they would do. And I think Facebook's been caught there too. So is TikTok worse than Facebook? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to err on the side of saying probably it is because of who gets the data. Um, and it's a country that doesn't particularly like our way of life in the United States or the West. So that's why I would say, I would say it's worse. Um, should they all, should all of these platforms be collecting this kind of data? I say, I say no. I would say no, they don't need to, but we've we've given that data away um, for the opportunity to see some videos or check, connect with friends. Plat social plat so these social networking platforms are great for a, a ton of things. Like Facebook has has increased its ability to notify people if you're in the area of a natural disaster or something like that. If you're in a hurricane area, you can post that you're you're safe, so people don't, you know, if they can't get a hold of you, they can check your status on Facebook and see that you're, you're okay. Um, so that's a good thing, but with the good comes the bad. What are they doing with all that information they're collecting on, on people's? The, the question, um, not just of TikTok, not just of these guys, but also uh, you know of, of all these social media platforms. What are they doing with the data they're collecting? And we're happily giving it away. So another thing we should think about uh, overall, what we're giving away to these folks. Last story of the day, last news story of the day, United States Cyber Command, uh, folks up at Fort Meade, our friends up there, uh, report U.S. Cyber Command behind TrickBot trick Tricks. So a week ago, Krebs on security broke the news that someone was attempting to disrupt the TrickBot botnet, a malware crime machine that's infected millions of computers and often used to spread ransomware. A news report Friday says a coordinated attack was part of an operation carried out by the United States, United States Military Cyber Command. On October 2nd, Krebs on Security reported that uh, twice in the preceding 10 days, an unknown entity had inside access to the TrickBot botnet and sent all infected systems a command telling them to disconnect themselves from the internet servers of the TrickBot the, the TrickBot overlords used, love that, overlords used to control compromised Microsoft Windows computers. On top of that, on top of telling all the, the, the infected devices to disconnect from the command and control servers, 
Someone had stuffed millions of bogus records about new victims into the TrickBot database, apparently to confuse or stymie the botnet's operator. The story published on October 9th in the Washington Post reported that four U.S. officials who spoke on the conditions of anonymity said the TrickBot disruption was the work of the U.S. Cyber Command, a branch of the Department of Defense, and headed by the director of the National Security Agency, the Dernza. Uh, the Post report suggested the action was a bid to prevent TrickBot from being used to somehow interfere with the upcoming presidential elections, noting that Cyber Command was instrumental in disrupting the Internet access of the Russian online troll farms during the 2018 midterm elections. The Post said U.S. officials recognized the operation would not permanently dismantle TrickBot, describing rather uh, was only a way to distract them for at least a while where they seek to restore their operations. Alex Holden, Chief Information Security Officer uh, and President of Milwaukee-based Hold Securities, has been monitoring TrickBot, TrickBot activity before and after the 10-day operation. Holden said, while the attack on TrickBot appears to have cut its operations from a large number of victim computers, the bad guys still have passwords, financial data, and reams of other sensitive information stole from more than 2.7 million systems around the world. Holden said TrickBot operators have been rebuilding their botnet, botnet and continue to engage in deploying ransomware on new targets. This cat goes on to say they're running normally and their ransomware operations are pretty much back in full swing. Uh, they're not slowing down because they still have a great deal of stolen data. Holden added that since news of the disruption first broke a week ago, the Russian-speaking cyber criminals behind TrickBot have been di discussing how to recoup their losses and have been toying with the idea of massively increasing the amount of money demanded from future ransomware victims. So since they were disrupted for a little bit, now they're going to go after more money. There's a convention, uh, there's a conversation happening in the back channels. It's uh, Holden is still saying. Normally, they will ask for a ransom amount that's something like 10% of the victim company's annual revenues. Now, some of the bad guys involved are talking of increasing that to 100% or 150%. So they're going from 10% to 100% or 150% of annual revenue, which could, man, it could destroy a company easily. And, and we know, again, you got to move. You got to move the protections as far as you can to the left. You got to stop these guys from getting in to start with, um, and that's just good security hygiene. Uh, that's what I, that's I'm going to say. Um, we have the three and three right now of of ransomware protection. Right, we we know the ways they're going to get in are these open RD, RDP connect, RDP connections on the internet, unpatched applications and, and devices and social engineering the end user and we know it's to for the pure ransomware from the encryption side for the backup side of the house we know that we we have that rule of three over there as well we have three different backups we have it on two different types of media and one of them is offline um, that doesn't help when they steal the data if they steal the data and threaten to post it that's a whole different type of attack so the biggest thing we can do is keep them from getting in. And I'm going to say, however you do it, however you decide to implement 
the correct amount of controls on your systems is how you keep them out. You have a good training program. You take care of those controls across administrative, cyber, and physical realms to keep the bad guy off of your systems to start with. And that's going to help prevent this. You don't have to you don't have to recover from a ransomware attack if you don't if they're not successful to start with. And that that's diversity of defense, that's defense in depth, that's following all the the good principles that are described in security controls. You know, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's implemented in SDLC by aligning it with the RMF, and it's in, implemented with your, your SOC or your, your detection and reaction capability by incorporating the controls in your cybersecurity framework. So if you build them into the systems and you build them into your protections, you have these controls. And the controls are based on the level of risk that, you, that, that comes at you. To me, it's, you know, it's, it's not easy. Implementing these controls on all your systems is not easy. But it's a whole lot easier than paying 100 or 150% of your annual revenues to a, to a ransomware actor. Gotta, you got to stop them from getting in. You got to stop them as far as you can on the left side. Uh, Lockheed Martin has their attack kill chain. There's the bow tie risk assessment model. There's the um, attack framework. In all these frameworks, we stop stop people. I've got to be remember I'm on screen. The farthest to the left we can, that keeps them out of our system. That's cheaper to do. That's more effective, and we don't have to recover from it. So that the more we can do on the left side, the better. That's what I got to say to you guys. And that was our last last news story of Monday. Usually Monday is a slow day, but Cybercom definitely leading off that that story today. Today is Columbus Day. Um, today is also Indigenous Peoples Day, and obviously there's some some you know conflict and turmoil about turbulence around. Do we celebrate Columbus? Do we not celebrate Columbus? I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of talk of that today. Um, I mean. Whether you like it or not, Columbus discovering the Americas. Uh, you know, we follow up Leif Erikson last, I think it was last week. But Columbus landing and kind of discovering the Americas it is, it's part of history. It just is. Um, indigenous people, yeah, that's, that's important too. So 14 states celebrate and honor Native American histories and cultures on Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, it is, Columbus Day is a federal holiday, so a lot of people are off today. So I've given you two stories in your um, in your show notes, one's from the History Channel about Columbus Day and talks about the goods and bads uh, about that. Um, the other one is about Indigenous Peoples Day from USA Today, um, and they, uh, you know, you you tell me, you tell me, is it Columbus Day? Is it Indigenous Peoples Day? Is it both? It can be both. I don't, I don't see why it can't be both. Ah. Uh. Eric's asking, what's the name of the app for the quiz again? It's called Socrative. But if you go to cyber-recon.com uh, front slash trivia, it'll tell you all about Trivia Night. It'll tell you where you can get the app. It'll tell you where we're going to launch the live stream from. It's going to tell you all that stuff. So it's cyber-dash, don't forget the dash, little minus sign, cyber-recon.com front slash trivia. Or if you go to cyberrecon.com, Trivia is right in the uh, in the 
the bar up above. It's uh, the take you to a page that's going to tell you all about Tribunite. Um, so that's that. We're going to see who's out there. We'll see, is Mike Bravo going to show up and defend his title? Who is going to be out there? Uh, who is going to be? Is Ralph Felt going to be out there? We're going to see who is going to be the trivia master this week. Who is it going to be? That's what I want to know. So, as always, uh, take care of your friends, your family, your coworkers. Take care of your organization. Know this is a community here to support you. Um, what do you got about that? The Facebook page is up and running. D took over social media. Taking over, pushing out stuff onto the Facebook page, getting the Facebook page up and live and, and working. So that's Facebook.com, and that one is front slash Cyber Recon Training with no with no dash, the no minus sign in that one because we couldn't get it through Facebook. So Cyber Recon Training on Facebook. If you, I think if you look for Cyber Dash Recon, search for it. That one will come up. Um, that place, that interactive community, that's where we can go and take care of your, your, your troubles, uh, ask questions. Um, we're going to post good stuff out there. Just getting, you know, it's been out there for a while, but D's, been, D's going to get it up and running, take care of it, going to get all our social media problems taken care of. So um, join the community. Join the Facebook community. Go out there and ask questions to share your knowledge. Um, it's knowledge sharing. Um, all the good stuff. It's not too late to join up, join the RMF class. If you want to get on the RMF class, that's on cyberrecon.com. That's in your show notes as well. Um, if you want to learn more about the uh, the RMF, the Risk Management Framework, Revision Two, we're talking about. Revision Two is what we are teaching. So yeah, so bear with me. Dia saying bear with her as she gets the social media untangled and and working like it should be, so that. We get messages out to you guys and gals. So the Bravos would say, go get some. I'll say go get some today. Take care of each other. Um, if you can, hit that hit that old subscribe button. Hit the bell to be notified when we go live. Make sure you're ready to go for Thursday for Trivia Night. Uh, share with your friends. You got people out there that want to learn security, that are insecurity. Um, hey, if they're insecure even, share the, share the site. We want to make we want to grow the community, take care of each other, and that's the that's the big point of of what we're doing. So um, we'll be here again tomorrow. Be on the same place, same time, same bat time, same bat channel, seven thirty. Talking about the events of the day. We'll love to see you here live. If you can't make it live for whatever reason, it's always recorded. It's going to be available on YouTube. And if you want to listen to the audio only version, it'll be out there later today. Um, on all the platforms that provide you with your podcasts, including Amazon and Apple iTunes, as well as a lot of the aggregators. So, love to love to hear hear more from you. Drop some comments in the show notes, or drop some comments in the uh, comments below. In the, you know the thing down there. Drop some comments down there. We'd love to hear what you guys think. Uh, what you think we're doing doing right, we're doing wrong. What we could do better. Always look forward that to that. So. Other than sometimes reading. So that's the challenge I have some mornings and just need more coffee, I guess. So until tomorrow, you guys take care of each other and uh, we'll see you then.